everyone, this is Catherine O'Connell and welcome to Lawyer On Air. If you are looking for inspirational stories about women in law, then this is the podcast for you. Join me and my lawyer ladies as we enjoy a glass of wine after a hard day at work and talk about the world of women in law. I hope you will enjoy getting to know these amazing women who I am so proud to share a profession with. I'm glad you're here and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome to this bonus summer episode in the Lawyer On Air podcast. I'm Catherine O'Connell, your devoted host as always. One of the key things that has been coming up through season three in the Lawyer On Air podcast has been about the striving for perfectionism and how this prevents people from speaking up or from asking questions for fear of embarrassment or showing oneself as lacking knowledge or understanding. Perfectionism is usually preventing you from speaking up or asking questions. Those aren't my words. Those are the wise words of Hiromi Shiraishi, who was guest number nine in season three of Lawyer On Air. She leads this special episode on the theme of speaking up, asking questions and banning perfectionism and also helping others to do all of that too. Hiromi is a great example of what I will call the Hiromi approach, purposefully speaking up, asking questions and being less than perfect. She's also intentionally helping others to speak up and banish perfectionism, starting with her direct report. Next, you'll hear from Lexi Takamatsu, who was guest number six on the show. Lexi is a shining example of someone who has benefited from the Hiromi approach. That means someone actually offered Lexi a chance to speak up in a meeting, and it was a game changer. That person went on to stop interrupters, allowing Lexi to contribute her point to the meeting. He also praised her in front of others, telling them all that Lexi had something valuable to say and contribute to the discussion. Lexi also goes on to share another story that game changed it for her initial year in the law firm. This is a great piece of advice for lawyers about to start with a firm. Listen in and catch the juicy suggestion that Lexi provides. You'll also then hear from Olivia Nomura, who was guest number three in season three. Olivia adopted a humble and enthusiastic attitude to her first years in a big firm. She focused on the interesting concept of nothing you do is ever wasted and all your work has meaning. From small administrative tasks and perhaps somewhat menial work, such as why am I doing this kind of task or I didn't go to law school to do this kind of work, all those kinds of tasks and yet how this kind of work dovetails into entirely purposeful and useful work for lawyers in the future. That's something that Olivia reveals to us. Life in the law at the start of your career is a big jigsaw of scattered pieces, but like a puzzle and like all puzzles, it is clear and it comes together when all the pieces fit in place. Asking questions can help you put the jigsaw together faster. Speaking up can help you find out the work that you are doing is the key corner piece in the jigsaw. And if you are one of the people who are delegating work to young lawyers, showing them where their piece of the jigsaw 
fits into the puzzle is how you reveal to them from the start how without that jigsaw piece the puzzle simply won't be completed this is a great episode with some key aspects that you may have missed on your journey through the lawyer on air podcast season three and we hope that these are interesting for you and that you have picked up something that might be helpful for your future whether you are starting out in your career or you are a partner or lawyer leader who is delegating work to others so here's Hiromi to start up booting out perfectionism right out of the picture and bringing in a speak up and ask questions approach not only for herself but for her colleagues take it away Hiromi how do we speak up at work did you find any really good takeaways tips that you could share that you've started to use perhaps or that you think you're planning to use to to speak up at work yeah i'm still working on it but as a first step i try to at least to ask one question during a meeting like leadership meeting so that i at least have a chance to say something right. that way to you know prepare myself to express uh what i'm thinking more comfortable mm. and do you think about the question before the program starts or do you, or the meeting starts or do you think about it during if we know the agenda i may think about the question beforehand but usually i think about question during the meeting depending on how the conversation goes interesting i really love that because it's my mantra as well i will always ask a question whether it's now going off mute and asking a uh, live or in the chat but always finding a way to ask a question of some sort so i usually prepare a couple beforehand but if something comes up during the meeting or webinar whatever it might be i'll ask it there but i think that's an absolute an amazing tip that you've given because that's where it starts if we don't at least ask one question i remember and it'll be Roy Andoy, who's hopefully going to listen to this later. She said to me, you know, what's the point in you being in a meeting if you don't ask a question? Mm. You're just taking up space. I think she calls it a pot plant in the room, right? You're just like a plot plant sitting over mm. there in the corner of the room. So, yeah, it's important. That's one point. Is there anything else that helps to help us to speak up? Another thing could be to allow yourself to be less than perfect. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, maybe be, this is just my personal opinion, but probably because of this Japanese education system, we were told to be perfect. And we do not allow others to be less than perfect. And this is something, or someone in this leadership, women leadership lab training, commented on me on my one-on-one kind of thing with another participant that she said that the, I might have setting the bar for myself too high. And if you do not, you know, lower the bar, it, it would be really hard to say something because mm -hmm. I don't want to sound stupid or I don't want, I don't want somebody to think that I'm saying stupid things. 
So maybe the, the, the change to the mental state, or I don't know what's the best way to describe it. Mm. But perfectionism usually prevents you from speaking up or ask questions. Oh, that's so true. And how did you feel, though, when you had that one-on-one feedback? Did it, did it make you feel terrible or did it actually make you feel some release and some ease to then go, oh, I don't have to be so perfect? Yeah, it was an eye-opener for me. Mm. Yeah, I didn't think that way. I knew that I have perfectionist side and mm-hmm. sometimes it prevents me from doing something. But I didn't think that I set my own bar high because of this perfectionist side of me. Mm, but that being told that, yeah, yeah, then you realize actually maybe I am. Yes, I completely agreed. And mm. it, it caught me off guard in a way. So I'm still working on it. I'm still probably not allowing myself to sound stupid or asking stupid questions. But at least it's important to have this self-awareness, I think. Self-awareness, yes. And you're more comfortable, it sounds like. Little by little, by trying it, you're not as upset or you're not as anxious or you don't feel as bad about it if you do ask a question and it's not quite the right one or there'll be other people in the room most definitely or in the zoom as they say these days um, who also have the same question but do you remember what it was after that feedback that you got now maybe you set the bar too high for yourself you need to lower it that you were told do you remember what it was the first thing or first or second things that you did after that to challenge yourself to lower the bar? I probably shared this view Ah, with my colleague. Right. Yeah. That's a good thing to share it with someone. Yeah. Yeah. What did that person, do you remember what that person said? It's all kamoshi and I. Yeah, maybe Mm, that's true. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's true. I can imagine. they, they, They may have been too polite to say that. So how about nowadays? Are you encouraging others then to also try to be, you know, live that kind of advice that you gave? Or do you help others to give that advice back to them in in one-on-ones when you're speaking with them? I see perfectionist side in my team members. And I often tell him that his review result doesn't need to be perfect. More important thing is that he review and if there's any questions or any things that he's not so sure he can just ask me questions that way we can have discussion and make the review result closer to perfect so i encourage my team member to be less than perfect when doing his day-to-day job. So important, you know, you're helping them crack perfectionism. Um, yeah, by creating that atmosphere by saying, it's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect when you bring it to me. I'm here to help you with it. So go so far, but then come and see me. And then with more inspiration or instruction or guidance from you that he can go back and do a little bit more. But are you seeing the changes then in him that 
the cracking of that perfectionism, blowing away the perfectionism is starting to happen and he's developing more in that way? I believe so. He came to ask more questions and gradually he's changing. That, that's something I see. Well, thank you, Hiromi. That was awesome hearing how you are banning perfectionism. I think you need to create a t-shirt with a hashtag, ban perfectionism on it. Well, next it's up to Lexi. Look out for this one. And the audio excerpt from Lexi's episode sets a challenge out to all the partners of law firms and leaders who have a team of direct reports. Think about opportunities for you to actively elevate people in your team, to give them a cameo speaking spot in meetings. Stop, think and uplift would be my recommendation here. This example from Lexi is a game changer for leaders who really want to bring up new lawyers into the organization and give them a chance to shine. As I mentioned earlier, you'll also hear Lexi's incredible approach yet simple approach of how she focused on her first year as a lawyer. And this is really going to be insightful for many new lawyers who are wondering what to concentrate on in their first year or two. Take it away, Lexi. Mm, what do you learn then from being in a big law firm? You know, you're handling business litigation and arbitration matters. What stands out then for you once you joined that firm? What were your learnings? I learned a lot from different people there and you get to know the different personalities you work with and, you know, take little bits of their skill set and their attitude towards work with you. Mm, I think right. kind of no matter where you go after that, there are a couple of things that I learned there that I still think to myself from time to time. And one is, you know, I can be kind of timid when I'm in a situation that I'm not used to, or, uh, when there are other people, particularly when there are other people with very forceful personalities. And I had one very perceptive, he was a counsel at the time that I was working for. He's a partner now. And he got to know the look on my face when I was bothered by something. <laughs> ah. And so sometimes he would even stop meetings and he would say, okay, Lexi, we pay you to actually say what you're thinking. <laughs> so don't just keep it to yourself. Mm. Um, and if someone tried to interrupt, he would say, you know, Lexi's usually right. So let's hear what she has to say first before we talk over her. And it was such like, you know, wow. they talk about how women have a hard time inserting their opinions in, in meetings because of men talking over them or because, you know, they've been raised not to speak up in situations like that. And you hear about different ways that men can help mm. even that balance within a, a law firm setting. And gosh, he was just a great example of that, both teaching me say what you're thinking and giving me the, me the affirmation that I'm usually right. Yeah. And at the same time, oh. teaching others, you know, okay, now it's time to be quiet male colleagues. Mm. So yeah, that was, that was a great example. Lexi has something to say. That's amazing. Isn't it? It's the seat at the table, but it's also the voice at the table. It's not just mm -hmm. the seat and sitting exactly. there. You're they're calling you out and saying Lexi's usually right. That's phenomenal, isn't it? It's great. Yeah. I don't know how true it is, but I'm, sure, no, <laughs> I'm glad he thought go. so. <laughs> they would hardly say that if uh, it wasn't true. But so then it, that concentration for most of your time in that, I guess, you know, PQE, you're really at first year kind of, right? Not after, I'm not talking about the judging 
uh, expedition that you had, but into the law firm, it's your first time in a law firm, isn't it? So yeah. are you concentrating then on deepening your network, learning as much, sponging as much as you can off other people or deepening your practical experience? What sorts of things are going on there and should people be concentrating on in that first year? Yeah, I guess for me, I, I've moved around quite a bit as, <laughs> as you explained in your introduction. And so I would say the first year or so of any new place that I've been has been about making sure that I'm doing good work that I know that I'm capable of because getting a good internal reputation, I think is the first most important step when you start anywhere. And so the first year that I was at the law firm, I was really concentrating on, okay, I've now spent a year doing legal research and writing for this judge. So I know that that is something that I have trained and put in time and have gotten better at. So I'm going to make sure that the work product that I show at this new law firm is reflects that and also trying to get that work in the first place so that I can demonstrate the writing skills that I had developed. And then starting from the second year, once I had people that I trusted to help me grow and to be kind of mentors to me, starting in about the second year, that's when I was, you know, going out on limbs a bit more and doing things like depositions and things that, you know, require speaking in front of people that, you know, I needed to get a little bit out of my shell in order to do. Mm. Yeah. I think by that point, people knew that I had a certain work ethic and they knew that I, that I could think well, and that I could write well. And so if I was a little weak on this point on a certain point, or if I seemed a little nervous about something, it wasn't that I was not capable at all. It was like, okay, here's a weak point that we can improve upon. Right. So you're getting your solid foundations there with that work ethic being really spot on and having that good internal reputation because you're showing that you're really good and capable with the work that you were given to do. And then mm -hmm. moving on from there to try and expand and, you know, move out of your shell, get a little bit more detailed and precise and do different things with the work that you'd already built the solid foundation on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm, right. So you were there for a couple of years and then I think you're jumping over to Japan after that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was one of those things where I told you that I, I took a long time to figure out that I liked litigation, but then I knew that I liked it. Right. So the mm. same thing happened with me in Japan, which is um, I started taking Japanese when I started law school or maybe a little before that on my own. But then I kind of dipped my toe in the water and I said, OK, I'll study abroad. So I studied abroad for six months at Waseda University in Tokyo. And then I thought, OK, I like that a lot. I want to live here. And so I'd come back whenever I could over breaks. But the more that I learned Japanese and the more that I spent time in Japan, the more I knew, okay, yes, that has to be part of the equation too. And I knew mm -hmm. it as, as strongly as I knew that I liked litigation and I wasn't willing to give up one or the other, which people generally told me was impossible, but I just kind of knew that if I kept developing both my Japanese language skills and also my litigation skills, that something would happen somehow. <laughs> and, <There you> go. <laughs> and then it did, it happened. Yeah. Well, Lexi showed us there about focusing on building solid foundations in her first year and letting her skill set and personality shine through. These were obviously very key for her 
to be a successful lawyer in her second and subsequent years. There is no doubt in my mind that building a solid base in your first few years in the law can really set you up well for being noticed in law firms and organizations. So here's a question for you. What kinds of skill sets are you focusing on right now? What areas of the law are you focusing on right now? And what can you cross off the list that you can enable yourself to perhaps have even more laser focus on just those very key matters? Well, now it's time to turn to our last lawyer extraordinaire guest in this bonus summer episode, and that is Olivia Numura. She speaks about connecting the dots from tasks that might be assigned to you in your first or second year as a lawyer through to how they become significant to that big ticket work later on in your legal career. Olivia shows us all about positive attitude, about having stamina and about having patience and also about recognizing that work that you may be assigned to do in the early stages of your career doesn't always display its significance to you until later when the penny drops and your work takes on meaning. Let's hear it from Olivia. So after you completed the legal professional studies, the profs course, you actually did work as a legal secretary for a while. And I think that's also rather interesting. Many may not have decided to do something like that after they'd studied law. Is there something you learnt or experienced from that secretarial role that now actually serves you as a lawyer? Perhaps it's appreciation for the massive role that our support staff have and do for us in law firms. But is there anything else from that, even just a short time that you had as a legal secretary, that makes you sort of think about your role today? The reason I sort of became a legal secretary was because I finished my professional legal studies course at quite an odd time. So there, it was quite hard to find a law job just sort of midway through the year. But this job as the secretary was going. And I did make it clear at the interview, though, that I would like to pursue law as a lawyer at some point. So yes. um, whether that was going to be at that firm or, or elsewhere. And that was not Chapman Trip, right? That was No, no, this right. is at a different firm, Catherine. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think I thought I'd be qualified enough for the role as I am a touch typist. I'm really fast at typing. Um, and I knew that the job was going to involve doing dictation um, for letters and other legal documents. So I thought, okay, well, I'm, I can do that. And I actually really enjoyed doing that part of the job. And I also got to do um, a lot of land conveyancing, which was, was interesting because at that point I hadn't sort of 100% decided that I wanted to do corporate M&A as I did have an interest in land law as well at university. I thought that could be a direction I went in, but that experience helped me to decide that I didn't want to pursue a a career as a land lawyer, but it was equally interesting. Very Um, useful, right? To decide what not to do as well. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And I think like you touched on, the overall experience was so fantastic when I did become a lawyer because I knew more what the role of a secretary was and how I could effectively work with them as a team together when I became a lawyer. And that experience I found was quite unique. And when I joined Chapman Trip, because a lot of the other junior lawyers had no idea what a secretary did and didn't really utilize them. And it just meant Mm. that they were then a lot more busy doing all these things that they could actually have got um, assistance with. They learned or knew how to collaborate well with the the secretary. Yeah. And collaboration is so important and treating people as equals in the firm as well. And as you've just touched upon, secretaries do a lot of the work that you'd think a lawyer might do, but they do a significant support role 
uh, and often know more about those practical areas of the law than what we coming out of uh, law school and just doing profs know. So I think they're really good points that you've touched upon. And after a few months, I think it was July 2015, you said you were admitted to the bar in New Zealand and your first job was at the prestigious Chapman trip. And as I said before, too, they usually recruit at university. So how did you search for that role? And do you remember what do you remember then about those early days of being a newly qualified lawyer in New Zealand? I researched sort of the top three firms websites because often they have jobs posted on that. And I saw that Chapmanship was looking for a legal secretary role and I think someone else for their corporate service center. Mm. Um, And so I thought, okay, well, I might as well apply for that role and sort of see how it goes. So I applied for the role for the corporate service center, which Catherine is sort of like the printing and filing and binding sort of role. (laughs) Um, It's a really entry level role, but I thought, well, if it gets me in the door type thing, then it's it's worth it. So I went for that role, went for the interview and the interviewer was very kindly, kindly said to me that she thought I was a bit overqualified for the role. And she said that there wasn't much mobility really between the service center and then the legal department. So it wouldn't really help me get a role in the law, um, the legal team. Yeah. And so I had that interview and then I sort of kept working as a secretary. And then a month later after that interview, I got a phone call saying, hey, we've got a role um, open in our corporate team as a junior solicitor. Would you be interested to interview? And so I said, well, that would be great. So I went for that interview with two of the, the corporate partners and I got the role. Wow. So was that from the fact that you had gone in there on that corporate service center inquiry? Yes, they- it was. It wow. was. They had wow. got my name and that obviously put me down on the list if they needed a corporate lawyer. So how interesting, yeah. right? It wasn't wasted. I mean, I would have looked at that and gone to the legal secretary, nah, corporate service center. No, no, no. I want a legal, legal, legal job. Wow. How interesting. Yeah. You can never really underestimate the possibilities and the ways and means to acquire your first role. So how was it then in those first initial days or months of being uh, a newly qualified lawyer at Chapman Trip? It was a big learning curve. So I don't think university really sets you up for what a law career brings. As a junior lawyer, I initially felt quite frustrated because I think we have this image of what a a lawyer is like, Catherine, Mm. um, and the sort of tasks that we might be doing. But as a junior lawyer, you're often drafting ancillary documents or sort of setting up companies on, you know, the company's law office website and or proofreading documents. And it can seem hard to understand if these tasks are actually taking you towards your goals as a lawyer. Or yeah, I have one sort of recollection of this story where I was proofreading an IPO prospectus and reading it out loud with a colleague to check that there was no errors and just thinking, why am I doing this? Like, yes. is this really what it means to be a lawyer? And I've you know worked so hard for. So I think that was my first impression. And I remember talking to the partner and he sort of reassured me that, no, this is taking to you towards your goals. And you will learn if you just sort of persevere and hang in there until you can see that bigger picture. Gosh, is that how it did happen then? It, you did persevere and you d- did get to your goals? I did. I did. And I think I saw over time how these tasks that I was being asked to do were really assisting me um, for the next things that I would be tasked with. So for example, you know, proofreading that, that document was so important because, you know, a year later I ended up helping to draft that document for for another IPO um, and to be able to know firstly what was meant to be in it um, and to spot things that look odd and need to come out was just so, so important. So I learned that these small things do have a purpose and are really important. 
and will set you up well for the next step. Um, if you can sort of just hang in there until you can kind of, yeah, like I said, see that bigger picture about why you were doing those things. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, we'd love it to be a bit more exciting in those first days or months of uh, starting our career. But I think you've just hit the nail on the head there with it. The connection between that grind work, shall we say, and the actual work that really was important the year after when you were doing the drafting. That makes a lot of sense. Wow, Olivia really showed us that it's so important for us to take pride in our work, no matter what it might be. My mother's words come to me on this one. She always said, if a job is worth doing, do it well. Showing your positive attitude to seemingly smaller or lower level tasks you are assigned to can really show you up as a team player in the organization. I actually went a bit further here and I asked Olivia after her recording a little bit more about this example she gave of proofreading this document. She told me that the partner did offer an explanation to her about what this document was. It was an IPO prospectus. He also explained the significance of the context of this transaction to her. Olivia said the partner overseeing this task was approachable and throughout the whole transaction, she felt like she could ask questions if needed, and she often did. In terms of the actual proofreading task, Olivia said that at the time, she probably just assumed that this was something that junior lawyers did and were asked to do and help out the team in such a way. And later on, through that experience, she started to understand the value of doing such proofreading tasks as she could see that it helped greatly to get familiar with these kinds of documents. Well, often partners in law firms and lawyer leaders in organizations are sometimes so focused on the deal or the transaction that they are not always good at stopping to explain their work requests to the people they delegate their work to. So Olivia's success story is a great example to us that it really is important and it really matters that as senior leaders, senior lawyers, and senior people in the community, that when we assign work to junior lawyers or to junior people on our staff, that we actually take the time out of our busy schedules to explain the significance of the work that we are assigning. This is critical for young lawyers to derive meaning from their work and purpose for what they are doing so that they understand the bigger picture. Well, to wrap up this episode, I'd love to give you a couple of ideas to help you speak up and ask questions and be noticed in your law firm or legal department. And these are taken from my personal experience. So here's my top two tips for speaking up in meetings. The first one is stop the self doubt. You are invited for a reason. That's right. If you're in a meeting, you are considered valuable to the thought process. That's why you're invited to attend. Your unique perspective and experience can help generate a new product feature, optimize a process, or simply inform the other members of the team on a piece of that puzzle in the project that you are working on. Sharing your ideas to those around the table proves to yourself and to your team that you are capable. Others can get to know what you are doing and you can be the go-to person in the future on that kind of work. If you've ever been unsure what your purpose is in the meeting, ask the host 
or a close worker who is attending before the meeting what do they want from you how can you support them is there one question that should be asked that you can help ask if no one else does knowing how you're expected to contribute to the meeting is a great way to see the value that you bring to a project also just like olivia showing that you are enthusiastic and not just turning up because you have to will create a really great impression number two tip believe in your answer well not only does asking questions show your team that you are involved and being really thoughtful about the project but it also encourages you to be engaged throughout the whole meeting as an engaged attendee you'll find it so much easier to become active in the conversations amongst your team members one of the phrases i really don't like is imposter syndrome and i know that aramide fields in season one talked about this people use this word or these words imposter syndrome to explain a feeling of inadequacy or being unqualified for a role that you're assigned or a job that you currently hold well this fear of your capabilities can affect anyone and even forbes described and discovered that 75 percent of female executives experience this kind of so-called imposter syndrome at some point in their careers to overcome this kind of situation i usually try to say to myself well if people don't hear from me on this topic they are missing out right that's how i feel about it they are missing out so i need to speak up i try to remember that the work i'm doing is different to others that my insights are different to others so that is the value that i am able to bring to the table like Lexi's example with her manager, people around you trust in your abilities to understand and contribute to the topic. So a question for you here is how will you deliver your contributions with confidence to the next meeting you will attend? How will you believe your answer is valid? How will you allow the meeting attendees to not miss out on what you have to give and help them to trust you and see you as someone they might turn to for future insights. Well, that brings together all of the summer bonus episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please like and share this with someone else who may be struggling to find their voice and speak up. I invite you to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts so that the Lawyer on Air podcast can be seen and heard by more people just like you. And if you'd like more insights from me on these topics I really love talking about, you can even hire me as your confidence coach and lawyer mentor. I can help you to show up with my tricks to help you speak up in meetings, gain confidence in public speaking, and give you insights on how to invest in preparing for future speaking engagements, such as being a panelist or speaking up at a board meeting. Pop on over to my contact page on my website to book a time with me. The link is in the show notes. Well, I look forward to seeing you back here again as soon as we launch season four of the Lawyer on Air podcast. Until then, cheers, come pie, and bye for now. Thank you so much for listening today to this episode of Lawyer on Air. I really hope that you were inspired by the story you heard and that you discovered something new about women in the law. 
It's my passion to share my stories of amazing legal ladies, so please subscribe to the show so that you don't miss future episodes. And if you can think of even just one person to share this episode with, that would make my day. I would love to connect with you, so jump on over to LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter or Insta, where you can find me. The links are in the show notes below. Well, that's all from me today, and I look forward to seeing you right here on the next episode of Lawyer On Air. Cheers, kampai, and bye for now.